Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? Welcome to this series called Human Intelligence versus Artificial Intelligence. It's under our Curious Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. 
that is jaef.foundation. This is a series to address the elephant in the room. Will artificial intelligence ever equal or surpass human intelligence? In this series, I take time to contextualize some known and unknown facts that whoever is keeping track of the developments in the artificial intelligence space should consider. You see, computers are good and have made our lives easier on so many fronts. However, there seems to be this elephant in the room that if the developments and progress we see showcased in the artificial intelligence world maintain their momentum, that there is coming a day when human-engineered intelligence, that is artificial intelligence, will actually equal or surpass our human intelligence. Whether you think so or not, I address the elephant in the room from contexts that I believe our so-called AI artificial intelligence experts seem to be ignoring. I believe the best way to address this elephant is on grounds of mind and spiritual consciousness. In this series, I break down two core functionalities or components of an intelligence system. That is mind consciousness and spiritual consciousness. You see, human beings already possess both of these functionalities. Whereas computers, on the other hand, or artificial intelligence, or human-engineered intelligence, on the other hand, is still scratching the surface of mind consciousness. Without further ado, let's dive in.
Welcome back to episode seven of human intelligence versus artificial intelligence. This is a series to address the elephant in the room. Will artificial intelligence ever equal or surpass human intelligence? In the series, I try my best to provide the proper context in which we should answer this question. The first ground of this argument should be through the lens of consciousness. And this is the buzzword right now when it comes to artificial intelligence. The, the hinge of this argument is consciousness. And in the last couple of episodes, I've, we've been exploring what consciousness is, what I believe consciousness is. And I've presented that consciousness is twofold. We have mind consciousness and spiritual consciousness. Mind consciousness is built is basically perception through a full range of being impressionable. And this comes through the five senses we have as human beings. But they, that's just the half of our consciousness as human beings. There's also spiritual consciousness. So far, we've only explored and looked at how our mind consciousness is built. And we also looked at how computers and artificial intelligence systems stack up on each sense input of taste, hear, see, smell, touch. In the last episode, we looked at different scenarios. We, we looked at each sense input and said, how would a computer score on a sense input of hearing, of touch, of smell, of sight, of taste? And we kind of arrived at a rough estimate and said, if we were really being generous with artificial intelligence systems, computer systems, with artificial intelligence embedded in them is the highest score we can give them is 40%. And that's because we did give them some points for the sense of hearing and sight. But even then, if you were to look at each of the sense inputs and you look at all the different scenarios involved, you can clearly see that even where you want to score them points, computers won't have a full range of hearing or a full range of smell, of sight, of taste, of hearing, of touch, because there is so many scenarios in the environment 
that computers at a certain point the amount of data that they would have to input almost starts to you know you're looking at a an infinite number of computational cycles that would be required and we rounded up the episode that conversation by saying if you were to look at the example of two people in love with each other there's a five-fold um there's a compound there's a five-fold uh compounding uh factor if i may when if if you were to have two people express love towards each other and let's say you put one couple here, put the other couple here. And one couple exercised all five sense inputs, meaning sight. They could see each other, what they're wearing. Smell. They could smell each other's cologne, perfume. Touch was involved. They could hear what's being exchanged from one person to the other. And let's say taste was also involved. Um, let's say some sort of kissing. The communication translated from, from all five sense inputs between each other is different from a couple, let's say, which would be able to only hear each other's voices towards each other and maybe just smell each other each other's perfume or cologne uh maybe if you had another couple and all they were able to do is um see each other sight the communication of emotion of, of romantic emotion aroused from just sight only might be different. It's going to be different from if you have sight involved, smell involved, touch involved, hearing involved, and tasting involved. It, it's totally going to be different. So computers would have to be trained not only on data inputs from just completing the full spectrum of data inputs under sight, smell all the variables of scenarios under touch, under hear, under taste. They'll also have to now be trained on the computational effect if there is two inputs involved if it is sight and smell if it is smell and touch if it is hear and smell if it is hear and taste there's so many variables i think it gets to a realm of infinite number of computational cycles and later on when we get into the conversation of spiritual consciousness because this is something that we cannot ignore because we can look at different ways in which human beings do function 
and clearly separate and say, the reason is why someone is able to do this is because of mind consciousness. And the reason someone is able to do this other thing is because of spiritual consciousness. So whether you believe in spiritual consciousness or not, that's an argument we need to have. And so after we get through phase one of mind consciousness, we need to look at spiritual consciousness. And I want my peers out in the engineering, science, and physics world not to be oblivious to spiritual consciousness because we can start to map spiritual consciousness. And we can evidently say that this result of action definitely involves something outside the spectrum of mind consciousness. And th th those are going to be some interesting episodes for us that's coming around the corner. So with some of this information that we've looked at is, is how I've scored and say the best that I can see computer systems with artificial intelligence scoring is, is at 40%. And this is only in the realm or in the context of mind consciousness. And if we were, if we needed to answer the question right now, will computer systems, will artificial intelligence ever equal or surpass human intelligence, even on grounds of only mind consciousness, the answer is no. But since it's the elephant in the room, let us look at all the sides of the elephant. So in this episode, I, I, I want to stress, I want to just present some other scenarios. We're going to look at objective cognitivity versus subjective cognitivity and see how artificial intelligence systems would fare versus human beings. And just so to be clear, I, I don't want you to listen to this argument and say that I'm, I, I'm really trying to be as objective as I can be, but that's not to say that I am, I am underestimating the capability of artificial intelligence. Every day there's something that I read about or that I see that blows my mind. So I do have optimism for artificial intelligence. I believe we can use artificial intelligence for some really laborious and hazardous tasks, especially the tasks that put humans in harm's way. Things like uh, uh, detonating bombs, you know, mundane tasks that don't inspire human creativity cleaning, maybe food preparation, warehouse tasks, and so forth. Um, I can see artificial intelligence playing a very significant role in, in some of these uh, human tasks. And of course, there are some creativity occupations that are in trouble of being taken over by artificial intelligence. I mean, right now there is um, a program called Dell, Dell 2 by OpenAI. And now I just saw that 
I think it's Microsoft, has built an application using this artificial intelligence program called Dell 2, where you can just type a certain text and an image is generated. Let's say you can type a bear, you can type mama bear wearing a suit and you'll see an image generated, beautiful variations of images of mama bear wearing a suit. Or you can type dog wearing hat and glasses seated on an office desk. So things like that is, 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 is pretty uh, fascinating. So even with creativity, the point is that we are going to see some uh, cu uh, creative occupations being supplanted by artificial intelligence. But the argument here is in the grand scheme of things. Um, it's, it's the whole argument that will there come a day that artificial intelligence puts humans out of business, more like they, 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 they become life. And they, they can replace human beings in all faculties of, of, you know, in, in, in different, in all facets of what we call human life. The argument is no. The, 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 the argument has to be, you have to put it in context. If the context is war, then sure, artificial intelligence will surpass human capability in the context of potential mass destruction. Not because artificial intelligence will be better at strategy, because it can be deployed faster, It will be because computer systems with artificial intelligence in them can be deployed faster, they can be deployed remotely, and they can be designed with a much broader takeout target radius. You know, yes, you can send an army of 1 million drones to fight a battalion of 100,000 soldiers on the ground, and it won't be a fair fight. Artificial intelligence could win that easily. And if you are an army general, a commander, would you rather deploy 100,000 soldiers or deploy even, you know, 50,000 drones? You know, you could easily take out 100,000 soldiers on a battlefield with five drones, you know? It wouldn't be a fair fight. Now, in the context of that argument, or in in the context of that, that's something that you know that's that's that will have to be debate uh, debated in the in the courts of world peace and safety at the United Nations courts. Um, whether we will be able to get to a point. Of, of, of deploying 
one million drones and and that's what you're sending into another person's country the same way that right now you aren't allowed to use chemical uh chemical weapons albeit some countries find some some way of doing it sneakily but the context of of this argument right from the beginning of this was the grounds for the fight between human intelligence versus artificial intelligence was consciousness. That's ultimately what will determine if there comes a day when artificial intelligence will equal or surpass human intelligence. The ultimate determining variable or factor will eventually ultimately come down to consciousness. And as I've said, we haven't even addressed spiritual consciousness, which, of course, unless you know something that I don't know, not to say that I know all things, but computers will never have spiritual consciousness. That's something that I know my counterparts in the Scientists, engineers, neuroscientists, mathematicians, physicists, they, they don't want to fess, they don't want to deal with this, you know, side of the equation, spiritual consciousness. Computers will never attain spiritual consciousness. But that's something, as I say, we shall address around the corner. Now, there's something interesting that I would love for us to talk about. Objective cognitivity versus subjective cognitivity or objective. Another way we can look at this is objective certainty versus subjective certainty or objective reasoning versus subjective reasoning. Cognitivity. 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 What, what is the definition? Cognitive. We're looking at certainty, whether it's objective or subjective. Let us look at how computers, artificial intelligence systems, and human beings would fare if we're going to now bring the conversation, even narrow it down to objective versus subjective. Let us look, by definition, objective means belonging to the object. Uh, now, Objective certainty is when the preposition is certainly true in itself. And the, the preposition, basically the point being made, is certainly true in itself. Subjective is when we are certain of the truth of it, 
One of them is in things, the other is in our minds. So, so subjective resides in our minds. Objective is true in itself. It doesn't reside. Um, it doesn't reside in your mind in a sense of it's true in itself. Subjective is 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 is, is processed through your mind. More, more like you arrive at it by taking those variable inputs and processing them in your mind. Subjective is relating to you, the subject, as opposed to the object. <laughs> That's the difference. Now, certainty is distinguished in objective and subjective. Again, we're saying objective is when the proposition is certainly true in itself. Subjective is when we are certain of the truth of it. Okay. Let's go step further. For the context of this discussion, we shall ascertain that objective means... Now, let us... Let's see how best we can simplify these these definitions of subjective and objective okay for the context of this discussion let's ascertain that objective means there's basically a definitive answer of true or false and we know that computers can ascertain this with ones or zeros, one for true and zero for false. That's how, at the core of computation, that's how computers communicate in ones and zeros. One stands for true, zero stands for false. Now, with the background of certain criteria or within a perimeter of certain variables or inputs, facts and so forth computers or artificial intelligence can arrive at an objective conclusion that is similar to a human being's objective conclusion within a perimeter of certain variables or inputs a computer can ascertain that a computer can arrive at a conclusion that say at an objective conclusion. Objective, belonging to the object, contained in the object. So a computer can arrive at a conclusion or at a preposition that is certainly true in itself. Because all you'll have to do is say, True or false? True. True or false? True. True or false? True. Likewise, a human being can do that. Now, things become really interesting when we step into the realm or sphere of subjective reasoning. 
things become really interesting when we step into the realm of subjective reasoning. What do I mean? Let us look at computers right now. We see that artificial intelligence, which is currently limited, right now, take it that the highest score we can give uh, artificial intelligence is 40% capacity or capability in mind consciousness. So when we step into the sphere of subjective reasoning and with our artificial intelligence systems currently being limited to the best possible scenario of 40% capability in mind consciousness, there is an uphill battle. If we're going to, artificial intelligence is, is going to be facing an, an uphill battle in the realm of subjective reasoning. How best can we illustrate this? Let's look at some examples. So now subjective reasoning encompasses natural bias in one's point of view. We're getting into subjective reasoning. Subjective reasoning encompasses natural bias in one's point of view. Subjective is relative to you. Objective is relative to the thing. Subjective reasoning basically says it could be true or false, depending on how you look at it. For instance, you can't objectively choose the best movie of the year. You can subjectively choose the best actor of the year or the best movie. And that's why you need a majority of subjective votes. But you can't objectively, you can't objectively arrive at that conclusion. It's, you need a majority of subjective votes all in favor of. You can't objectively arrive at that conclusion that this is the best movie of the year or this is the best actor of the year. It's a subjective conclusion. So in essence, objective reasoning takes black and white inputs and outputs black or white. Objective reasoning takes black and white inputs and outputs black or white, true or false, whereas subjective takes black, white, and gray inputs and outputs a spectrum of opinions or propositions or conclusions, black, white, or gray. There is no gray in objective, but there's a shade of gray 
and subjective. With this in mind, let us look at some scenarios where artificial intelligence would have to invoke subjective reasoning. Mm. So you've built artificial intelligence systems. Now, how would an artificial intelligence system, how would it maneuver an environment that requires subjective reasoning? Our first example to illustrate this is, let's look at a level five full self-driving car. Let us look at an example of a full self-driving car. Of course, this would have to be operating on efficient intelligence. And let us look at how it would, some of the uphill battles it would have to deal with when it would have to operate in an environment of subjective reasoning. Okay, so, so let's say a, let's say a self-driving car is going down a road, and it has to make a decision of what action of less evil or less damage should I make here. Ah. So this is, this is already in the realm of subjective reasoning. So it's, you have a car that's driving itself, it's going down a road, and it has to make a decision. What action of less evil or less damage should I make here? Should I run into the people on the left or should I run into the people on the right? Just this decision alone need I argue that this decision is already beyond the objective spectrum where artificial intelligence would thrive best. This is a decision that has now been elevated into the criteria of subjective reasoning. There's a malfunction that happens in the car. The car has to decide, should I run into the people on the left or into the people on the right? It's more than counting the people on the left versus how many people are on the right. Now, there are a whole range of other inputs that normally an experienced driver might quickly process, even without being an experienced driver. So let's put a human being in this situation, driving down the road. Car loses control, he has a decision to make. Should I slam into the people on the, on the left or the people on the right? Some things that might come to your mind might be, how old are they? How many people are on the left? How many people are on the right? What is the distance and duration of impact? 
you know, if I run into, if let's say I maneuver the car to go into the left, is there an ocean on the left? Or is there a pole on the right? Are there any street poles on the right? Or are there street poles on the left? Am I driving into a grocery store? If I maneuver the car, if I swap the car to the left, am I seeing a grocery store there? Or is it an empty caravan? If I can clearly see that there's a grocery store on the left and an empty caravan, just a car packed on the right, I might change my decision and say, okay, swerve this car to the right. Don't drive into the grocery store. Now, of course, again, you have to, you, 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 the sun decisions you're processing what is the time of day if um let's look at okay the grocery store if 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 let's say the grocery store is your last resort like somehow your car has swerved and you have to just run it into i don't know the wall of the grocery store something like that what is the time of day Usually at this time, there are less people in that building versus the one on the right. Again, it's the question of how, you know, if maybe there are two buildings, two, what, what, what if there's two grocery stores? There's one on the left, there's one on the right. You know, based on the names, based on prior knowledge that the grocery store on the left normally has, let's say it's 8 a.m. You can see there's a lineup on the right. There's no lineup on the left. Uh, what's the time of day? How many people? There's usually less people in that building versus the one on the right and so forth. As, as you can see, in, all, in just this scenario, all these decisions are outside the, the scope the, the, the scope of objective reasoning. It's subjective. The decision you ultimately take whether to swerve the car into the left side or on the right is subjective. Because it's not just a black, it's not just a black and white conclusion there's gray involved. And you can clearly see that subjective decisions and reasoning require way more data inputs than what our current artificial intelligence systems can process. You know, if you are, let's say there's an old person walk, walking up a street and the car 
is is maneuver is is swerving you might look at the person coming up and you might say oh this person is old you know you might really judge and say they don't have enough time to get out of the way maybe it's an old old man or old woman that is you know walking on their um that you know they they are on a walker and and so you're going to process and say there's no way this person is going to move out of the way so you make a decision to maybe swerve into the pole on the left the reason you might not go to the right because you're already evaluating that this person is old they're not going to be able to jump you know get out of the way of trouble fast enough so you will try your best to evade swerving the car to the right and aim aim for the pole on the left the, these are these are the, these are the so so these decisions are beyond the objective spectrum of just black and white so i'm not here to cast doom or to undermine the development of artificial intelligence. I'm just trying to put in context for both people on, on both sides of the aisle, the people who are freaking out about artificial intelligence and the ones who are um, overestimating it, some who might be underestimating it, the, the, the point of this discussion is I'm, I'm only helping recalibrate people's expectations and saying, okay, this is what we're building, but this is where we're going. This, this, this is the uphill battle for artificial intelligence. This is how humans deal with subjective reasoning or subjective decisions. In order to make a subjective decision, a human being a subjective decision or a subjective outcome requires more data points than what our current artificial intelligence systems can process. You know? So, but also we can run into a problem where we prematurely hold back making advancements in this field because we are operating from a standpoint of fear and again that's the other problem with our current world right now is because of fear we can run into a problem where we prematurely hold back making advancements in the field of artificial intelligence because we are operating from a standpoint of fear instead of objectively looking at the pinnacle of this innovation what it would look like because some people see some videos that artificial intelligence is able to do let's say you see a robot doing maybe somersaults or dancing or this and that and they think that the end of humanity is around the corner so we can prematurely kill the advancements of artificial intelligence because of fear. 
because we haven't really looked at the holy grail of this discussion. At the same time, I don't want us to be oblivious to the dangers of artificial intelligence if left unregulated. Because in the example of the self-driving car that has lost control and now needs to make a decision of lesser evil, should I run into the people on the left or should I run into the people, you know, should I run over the people on the left or should I run over the people on the right? If we want the public to feel secure and protected and insured and gain their trust, they need to know that most of the questions could arise. They need to know that most of the questions that could arise in the human mind when it calls for subjective reasoning, that these have been embedded, at least to the best of our capability, in the, in the artificial intelligence product. Because ultimately the decision, let's say for self-driving cars to get on the road, they'll have to overcome a social or mental barrier. They'll have to be a trust factor that is passed. For human beings to say, okay, if I had to make a decision of the car is going off the road, should I run it into the grocery store or run it over the bridge into the ocean? How would a human being process this? And has this type of reasoning been embedded in the self-driving car? So these are all the things that we need to look at. In the big picture, we need to be honest and realistic of how far back we are, even from full spectrum subjective reasoning with computers and artificial intelligence. We need to. We need to look at this. So I think there's a lot of things for us to think about when it comes to now the context of objective decisions versus subjective decisions when it comes to artificial intelligence. Ob subjective decisions require black, white, and gray inputs and they will output a spectrum of opinions, black, white, or gray. This is a good place for us to take a pause. I'm going to let you think about that. Let that marinate. And in the next episode, we'll talk about the subject of adaptability. And once again, you'll see that our mind consciousness, you'll see that human beings have the ability 
when one of their five senses is shut down to enhance the others. So we'll also talk about adaptability in the next episode. For now, Sela. This was episode seven of human intelligence versus artificial intelligence. We are putting into context how best to address the elephant in the room. Will artificial intelligence ever equal or surpass human intelligence? In the next episode, we'll explore adaptability. You see, human beings have the ability to adapt and the capability of other senses is heightened when the primary sense to perform a specific function is shut down. Take a blind person, for instance. Their sense of hearing and touch is heightened to make up for lack of sight. Would artificial intelligence systems be able to adapt in a similar fashion if one of their primary data sense inputs was shut down? That's a question we'll try to answer in the next episode. Your host for today was Calvin Kavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Reaching out for someone to come pick them up
felt the wind in the trees above chains around feet But I could not breathe With all of the hurt that was buried like a seed there